people. That's a that was a great great to come in on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm your I'm your host, B Smooth. Once again, we we joined by music aficionado Rico Suave, and we yeah. and we and we joined by a very special guest, the man with a thousand opinions, Mr. Jay Leesky. Jay Lee, how you doing? <laughs> Opinion supported by evidence. <laughs> Mr. Jay Lee. Oh, I, I, I listen to you more. Man, shut up. Man, man, Jay Lee, that, he's that meme of that guy with the, with the coffee cup. Prove me wrong. <laughs> oh, clear, man. Uh, listen more. All right, so for this episode, we're going to be talking about, we did hip-hop before, and now we're going to R&B, rhythm and blues. So without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it. Fellas. How did you fall in love with R and B music? That's tough. <laughs> for, for me, I think it was my parents. You know, Puerto Rican. They loved the Motown, Motown sound. So my mom was a huge Diana Ross, Supremes. Um, my dad loved. I mean, loved Marvin Gaye. Um, so those artists stick out in my mind. I remember going through their records, like, "What is this?" and that's that's the earliest memory I have of R&B and me falling in love. And then obviously the Temptations and all the other Motown artists that they had records of. That's that's what I can remember and that's what made me fall in love with R&B. Yeah. Uh, follow that up. That's, that's, the, that's a good segue into, I guess, a time thing because for me, I guess it was uh, my mother really playing a lot of 70s stuff. So Parliament, Funkadelic, um, <clears throat> you know, that, I'm just uh, Ohio players, SOS band, those groups, you know what I mean? But the thing that really, I guess my personal connection is deeper than the 70s. I guess we can jump into the 80s because my mother was pregnant with me at an Anita Baker concert. <laughs> and the story goes, and when, when she's saying, you bring me joy, I start kicking in her stomach, you know what I'm saying? So that in and of itself shows that the rhythm and the vibration of the music was always connected to who I, you know what I'm saying, who I was going to be as a, you know what I'm saying, as a man. So I think that it's all, it's in us. Essentially, it's innate. It's part of who we are. But I, that's why, I, I guess those are the memories I can, I guess, go back to earliest, even though I don't remember, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I can say, I can say man, mine's, mine's similar to both of you, you know, parents, like, listen to a, a lot of R&B, and then uh, my uh, my aunts and my, my uncles, they used to love like like New Jack Swing music, so a lot of I remember it's an early story that my mom tells me she used to work at uh, I guess it's now is Lori's Children's Memorial Hospital. So she brought me a hospital gown and I would be she, so I would wear it around as a like a baby. How I had a little toy guitar and I used to sing Luther Vandross "Any Love." <laughs> and, uh, so that, that was like that's how like that's how because that's that's all my mother played. She had like the records and like she's played like Bobby Brown too. So. I, I still have that vinyl of Bobby Brown, Don't Be Cruel, even though certain songs just skip now because, you know, it's a 30 year old album. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's funny. Yeah, so that's how, that's kind of how I, I fell in love with R&B music. R&B music. R&B music. See, I, I, I love it so much from stuttering. <laughs> I was about to say, and I'll, 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 I'll follow that up because my favorite all time group, anyone that knows me, knows I love New Edition. Like, that was, that was my group growing up. Because they're relatively close, they're relatively close to my age, and when they hit the scene, like that was early '80s, right? Like I believe the Candy Girl album knocked 
you know, Thriller off or beat it off like the number one slot. And when I heard New Edition, like I have, I still have all their albums. And that was the group that really like solidified it for me because I, I've seen them in concert, I want to say at least 15 times, to be honest with you. First concert I ever went to, Cool in the Game, New Edition, Jesse Johnson Review, Tina Marie. Ooh, that's all, a that's a that's all, an all-star lineup. Bud Budweiser Superfest. If y'all remember that, that was that was and that I remember like I had the T-shirt, you know, like and it had all those artists on there, and I remember just like that 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 was it for me. Like that new edition was the group that for me, like I stayed with them, and then you know as they evolved, like you talk about New Jack Swing when Bobby Brown started bringing in Teddy Riley. And some of his stuff, you know, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis were still, you know, doing their thing. Like, I mean, that was it. You know, that was it for me. But that's, I'm, I'm glad you all said that because that to me, like, that's like, you know, the early stuff is what made me listen to R&B, but falling in love with R&B, that was, you know, following New Edition and kind of their path and then all the artists that kind of, I mean, come on, my favorite, con- one of my favorite concerts, I'll be sure, Bobby Brown, New Edition. That was, that was the heartbreak tour. That was like, to me. That was it. I, I heard this this rumor about like Al B. Shores that like when he heard uh, Bobby Brown's "Don't Be Cruel," he knew his career was over. He just started crying. <laughs> <laughs> that's a rumor. Uh, yeah, that's a rumor. I don't know if it's true. There was a lot of competition. I mean, there, there were a lot of rumors about who was going to be the, the opening act because on that tour, Bobby Brown was the opening act, and I guess there was something contracts or whatever that he he wanted to be first because he wanted to put as in quotes you know, I'll be sure in his place by having him be the one to kick it off the concert and then to have to follow him, you know, because he was a showman, right? He was, he was, he was, he was the first like R&B bad boy, I guess, technically, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you know, but yeah. there are other people, there are other people before him, in my opinion. That Rick bad. James was the first yeah, R&B yeah, bad boy. Rick James, definitely. <laughs> So, this this getting to like the meat of the discussion. Uh, you know, rhythm and blues m- music goes back years. Like we can go well, back to. I forgot to give. I shout out to Irwin and Fire because they were really big part of my upbringing. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, yeah, we we about to get we about to get into them right now. But you know, because you know R and B music, it comes from it comes from a, a bunch of different sorts of music. So you know, you have jazz in the New Orleans, and then. Uh, Blues from the Delta, they came together along with gospel that, you know, was created, you know. People don't know that gospel music was actually created in Chicago. Yeah. That's music. So they, through the years, you know, they each had their own little little lane to follow in until around the 1950s when, you know, even though people don't like to give them credit, Ike Turner, Chuck Berry, Lil Richard started creating rock and roll. And from rock and roll... I'm giving y'all, giving people, giving our listeners a little history lesson, because I am a historian. <laughs> we do, uh, do, do it from the 1950s, led into uh, what we now know as uh, R&B music in the 1960s with Motown, and they did a lot of singles. But I'm, I'm going to start what we consider modern R&B music, the modern album-driven R&B music in the 70s with Marvin Gaye, "Let's Get It On," which, what's going on? Sorry. Which kind of changed the landscape of R&B. You didn't just have like strict singles. You had a whole a whole album there. So, 1970s. That's considered at the beginning of what we now consider R&B music. And 
what do you guys like? Let's, let's go with let's go with artists. Your favorite artists from like the seventies. I was to say Stevie by far. Mm-hmm. Songs in the King of Life. King of Life. I mean, if you ain't got that album, <laughs> get it now. I mean, I get goosebumps now because that to me, I can play that album all day, all night, and well, not. I mean, talk about like an infusion of everything that you mentioned, Be Smooth. Like honestly, that record has every element that you just mentioned, in my opinion. In my opinion, but that Stevie. Song I'm trying to think. He got like he got the jazz. He got Sir Duke. <laughs> There oh, man, go. like, honestly, you know, Love is in Need, you haven't had that that track, come on, man, like, that's just so many, I can't even, I mean, and, you know, some people say, oh, it's a double album, but come on, man, like, that, the fact that he's got that many, yeah, that's what I'm saying, like, like it's, it's, people don't know, people can't even get, some people can't even get, like, a full lineup on, a, on an album, and he had so many songs that it was a double album, and it's still, you know how difficult it is to do a double album, like, <laughs> And the habits sound good, cause usually yeah. you run out of steam. Yep. <laughs> like you know, like yeah, yo, we listen to it. It's right, a lot right, of double albums. Yeah. Half the album is good. And you're like, yeah, I can, I can just think on one side, and then you know, not really listen to the other side. But that album, some deep cuts too. Like I, you know, you can you can put aside all the hits. Everyone knows the hits, but there's some deep cuts in that one. That yeah. yeah. yeah and just to give credit to, like I said with Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye allowed Stevie to change his approach. When when he did what what's going on, Steve was like, well, if Marvin can do it, can do what he wants, and talk about what he wants to on the record, you know, I need to change my contract, and start talking about what what I want to do, and that started his like what they call the classic phase of Stevie's career with like talking book. So like what what since we speaking of like Stevie like outside of songs King of Life like what what are your favorite Stevie songs? Because I, I know, John, <laughs> I know you are a Stevie aficionado, so I'm going to leave this to you. <laughs> I was about to say, you know, I can tell that he was setting you up, John, because I'm like, man, uh, that's, that's tough. I guess the older I get, I guess the more vibration I have in my life, I have to go, at, I guess at this stage, I think do I do maybe one of those, like, I guess as far as where I'm at right now. But if I have to pick all time. Um, that's any songs. That's, it don't have to be one. It could be like a group of songs. Talk to be a group of yeah. them. So, okay, okay, all I do, do I do. Uh, <laughs> well, I can go, we, we can talk songs in Kia Live. We can talk the music, uh, we call it a song query. Uh, which, which album was that? The one that has the compilation. Uh, what's that song? Holland, was that Island July? Island yeah. July, that was 1979, 1980. Yeah, that's getting towards the 80s, but it's like, it's so much music that he's put out over the years that even trying to think of one song is that. Difficult because he's put out so much quality music. Yeah, like inner vision. Catalog is that is that deep. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. hard to pick something. Yeah. So I can, if I had to pick anything, Rico picked my favorite album already. Like, yeah, he already picked my favorite album, and so it's really getting to me to figure out which songs I can narrow it down to. Because that album, what's that? Twenty some songs already? Yeah. At least, at least twenty. Yeah. Yeah, so we're talking about 20 to 22 songs already that are deep. And then you start running into all these different albums. Um, which album had uh, a Gold Lady on there? Uh, yeah, since I'm on my, uh, on my, on my uh, laptop, let me... Intervisions. So we go to Intervisions, and you listen to that front to back. Uh, what's the song? Higher like, Ground is on there. Yeah, that's my Intervisions, too, oh. I think. Yeah, that's like number. I've had a track of wood. Right, this man knows the tracks. <laughs> <laughs> this man, 
Oh, living for the city. Living man. for the city. Yes. Jesus, uh, 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 Jesus the children. Uh, that, that song with children. What's the, what's the name of the song? You better tell your story. Yeah, that song. You know what song I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember it. I forgot. Name. I don't want to just jump off and go look it up, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. Like that song in and of itself, you go listen to what he's talking about. Tell me, holy roller. You know, he's like. Classified as disco. R&B. I think it's both. I think it's a hybrid album. Well, I think the time, the time that it came out. I mean, I think there's a lot of like, and we can talk about like, you know, uh, you know, Michael Jackson's Off the Wall. That was an infusion of, of disco and R&B as well. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's the first album that I remember. Like, because I never was a disco fan, but yeah. as that was phasing out, like that album sticks out as like the first kind of like infusion and I mean but I think you're right Marvin Gaye is also another one that that fits that category where it's like end of the 70s going into the 80s and you can kind of you know there are very few albums that are like that right where it's like a combination of both uh, and can speak for that time too and so yeah yes when I I think of I Want You I always think of the story about how uh, Leon Ware who like co-wrote and co-produced a lot of the songs on there he submitted the album to uh, Barry Gordy Barry Gory listened to it. He was just like, I heard your voice. I'm going to get us to Marvin Gaye. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Because yeah. he, he starts it out when I want you, man. Yeah. Like that, the song is all in and of itself. It's like the whole album is about the art of sex. Yeah, and the whole album. And it was like, and it was mostly it was about his, his wife at the time. Uh, that was Janice, really. A lot of songs were about Janice. That's how much he loved him. Yeah. You know, one, one artist I want to include as a in, in memory of my dad was Bill Withers. I don't think yes. Bill Withers gets a lot of credit. Bill there, Withers. But, yes. But that dude, talk about deep. And he started his career later in life. Like, I want to say, like, in his 30s when yeah. he came out with his album. Yeah, he was still, because I, I watched, it's a, it's a documentary that you, both of y'all, you guys have watched. Is, uh, I, think, I think you watched it before, Jay Lee. Uh, still Bill? Still on Netflix? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, but it's like he talks about his career, about how he was in his thirties and he was writing songs while he was making toilets for the uh, airlines. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think he gets a lot of credit. I mean, even though he's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but he was one of those voices that, you know, seventies. You know, back then it was like, man, that dude, that dude was deep. Yeah, mm. you like use me, lean on me, grandma's hands. Mm. Man, so many, so many greats, so many greats. I mean. Like, who is he and who is he to you? I'm like, hey, hey, come hey. On. <laughs> Wait, I mean, did we, did we even talk about Ain't No Sunshine When She's Gone? Oh, man. Like that. that man was going through it on that. I know, I know, I know. Like, I mean, how many times? Did he... <laughs> yeah, and, then, and he showed, like, like if you, if you watch the documentary, he shows you, like, how he goes through making those songs. Like, he's yeah. just like, you know, he's like, I know how to get people's attention. Like, you just keep just repetition. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. Or, like, on Happy Day. Happy Day, happy day, happy day. 
that's a song that's a perfect title for a song because every time I hear that I'm like it's a happy day because I get happy it's a happy song <laughs> but when I think of the 70s though I, I, I just I can't help but think of Curtis Mayfield yeah, he can't, and, he, and he really kind of helped introduce not only the R&B aspect, but a lot of his sounds is why Funk ended up taking off, too. Yeah. Because you look at his influence in the late 60s, with, I mean, it was dramatics, right? Uh, impressions. Impressions, okay. Yeah. So with, the, 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 with the impressions, and when he went solo, you can still you hear like the, you can still hear something like the chords and yeah. other people's music that really came from what he was doing on his own music, so... Even though if we look at George Clinton and Boosie and all those guys pioneers of funk, which is really what they are, you can't you can't exclude Curtis Mayfield being an influence in that too. And his his work on soundtracks and that's I think we can have a uh, we can go to a whole I guess we can go to each decade we can talk about how R and B soundtracks for movies yeah. were just incredible. Cause Superfly, it's probably one of the greatest oh, soundtracks ever. Yeah, like, one of the greatest albums ever. Yeah, his soundtrack, take the yeah. soundtrack. Out, one <laughs> the of the best albums yeah. ever. And he was he what he did with that, and then it's with, with albums that he didn't like sing on that he just produced. Uh, the Claudine soundtrack with the Gladys Knight and the Pips, it's an incredible soundtrack. Uh, the Sparkle soundtrack with Aretha Franklin. The uh, Let's Do It Again with uh, like, who's that? the the Staple Singers? Yeah. So man, he was doing some amazing work and. I just think that he doesn't get enough credit. Even though he gets a lot of credit, he still doesn't get enough. Yeah. and It's never that first person. It's always the person who follows them that they yeah. gets all the credit and notoriety. Takes their sound or takes their style and then kind of goes with it. Uh, and I, uh, Probably ahead of his time. That's why, right? I mean, that's that, that's probably the, the common denominator for a lot of these artists that we're talking about, that they were ahead of their time. You know, because, you know, it's Marvin Gaye. I mean, come on now. Like, that's way ahead of his time. Way ahead you know? Yeah, and I got I got I got to speak on one person too, who uh, cause he he created my favorite song of all time, that's Donny Hathaway. Mm-hmm. And my favorite song is "Someday We'll All Be Free." Yeah. And the thing about that song is like a lot of people thought like because it was in the 70s, it's about like like civil rights, it's about you know you know f- fighting for equality. It wasn't about that. The guy who wrote the song said he recognized that like Donny Hathaway, where everybody knows he was a, a paranoid schizophrenic. He knew that uh, Donnie Hathaway was like, he was getting worse. So he wrote that song to say that, Donnie, one day you're going to get better. And so when I think about that, because I, you know, I have some like people in my family who like have paranoid schizophrenia, I think of them. And I think I find it used to be, and that song just hits me. I'm just like, that's what everybody wants. Like internally, you're like, you want to be free. You don't want, you know, be burdened by anything. I think that's just, and Donnie Hathaway probably had the greatest voice in R&B. Yeah. I was about to say, like, you know, to me, another reason why I love Stevie is when he sings, it's not the same. His voice kind of changes yeah. for, with every song. It's not like you hear his voice. Sometimes he's really high. Sometimes he's low. Like, it's that's that's a it's, it's a winning combination. Like, Donnie Hathaway is the same way. You know, it's just like, you know, the voices, the voices stick out. It's one thing to be able to write a song, but to be able to sing that song as well, that takes true, true talent. And I think those are the, the artists that we're naming are, the, are, are like, the triple threat, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like writing, producing, singing, like all that stuff. I got a co-sign everything and add this. I don't know if you know this well-known fact. Oh, this a uh, fact. I don't know if it's well-known. My mother told me this. They said that Stevie Wonder is one of the, I think, one of the few singers that has like documented perfect pitch. Mm. That's, I didn't that's know that. that's, and then it's as far as range, octaves. 
let's talk about a, a Chicago legend and a music legend, Minnie Ripperton, probably get hit oh. every note. Yeah. Oh. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. we can take it there too. So we got talents like that. It's like R&B in and of itself. Oh uh, yeah, I forget about the ladies from the seventies, man. Yeah. Had, you know, yeah, like I said, Gladys Knight. Uh, Aretha was still was still around in the seventies. Uh, like who else? Oh, the the emotions. I was just like offline. We talked about the emotions. Like you know, they had a lot of great songs. They from from Chicago too. And uh, like, don't call my neighbor. Uh, the best of my love. Yep. <laughs> oh, 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 another Chicago. Chicago women were killing during the seventies. <laughs> Oh, I got to oh many many from Chicago. Yeah, you just said that. Yeah, so yeah. man, what was what we what we doing? What were, what were women doing in the seventies to be so good? I'm a Riverton. Was my grandma one of my grandmother's best friends, and so like many used to babysit my mother back in the day. And seventies, like okay. Since we're talking about like what what do you think are defining albums of the seventies? We already mentioned like Superfly, uh, songs in the key of life. Yeah. I think it's anything else that like seventies. Mar- Marvin Gaye. We, yeah, Marvin Gaye. I mean, I maybe this is, I'm biased, but like I said, I'm off the wall, Michael Jackson. Oh uh, yeah, I don't, I the, mean, the Jacksons. The, I forgot yeah. about them. The Jacksons. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the stuff in the seventies. Well, wow. Oh oh. I'm surprised you didn't uh, you didn't bring this up, uh, Mr. Lee, What's your up? boy, Whoa. Mr. Bobby Womack. Yo. Everybody gonna see that he was right about a lot of stuff. But then background don't really add up to what you want to talk about the man. Let's talk about his music. Hey, yeah. Bobby Womack spoke a harsh truth that nobody wanted to hear. And what a voice too, like a very distinctive voice. voice. Like it was unique, it was strong, and it could carry. When he's saying something, you felt it. Yeah. I was just watching uh, Across 110th Street the other day on Amazon Prime. <laughs> that song, that's what the, the lyrics to that song were like. They were, the they, they were gritty, but they were real. And he sang yeah. them with like... like uh, Whenever someone says Bobby Womack, I also think of Teddy Pendergrass for some reason. Oh, like, oh Teddy. Like, Forget about Teddy. Teddy, like... I remember my dad used to bump Teddy Hell's car. Like, a I man, like, this. So many great memories, like driving around. Like, well, for me, my dad just playing music in his car. He used to play it really loud, you know. <laughs> so imagine a Puerto Rican dude driving around Northside Chicago, you know, bumping, you know, you know, all, all these artists that we're talking about. Like, <laughs> just doesn't fit, right? You know, you think you'd be playing salsa merengue, whatever. But my dad was like, deep, deep, deep I, I saw you post something a while ago, Rico, about New York and soul. So you gotta understand, I listen to it too, so I would never. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, but I, I always loved Teddy Pendergrass's voice and, and his music. I mean, one of those, you know, not, I mean, pe- people who love music know who Teddy Pendergrass is, but for the real diehards, I mean, that, that to me, like, that's that's a voice, you know, in the style that's that's right up there. Okay. But, yeah. All right, so we can't think of other, you were saying albums, like, from the 70s. I can't really think of, yeah. you know, yeah. a, a so, lot of them. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm more of an '80s person, so we want to talk '80s. Yeah, that. yeah. I was thinking, like, are we ready to transition to the to the nice, to the fast, the, the cocaine '80s? My life's in the era. All right, man. Everybody, man, let's let's let's, let's put some let's put some uh, let's put some activated in our hair. Okay, I'm Shalimar, little Howard Howard Hughes. All right, man. All right, man. All right, man. Okay. Uh, Jody Watley. Oh man. 
Wiley. I had a crush on. I still got kind of a crush on Jody Wiley to this day. My my favorite from from the eighties though, the Barge. Like the yes. Barge to me. Yes. Oh man, like the the greatest. My one of my favorite CDs. Cause you know I still have CDs. Obviously, be smooth though. This guy. Yeah. But one of my favorites is you know, the Barge's greatest hits. Like yeah. Talk about like some amazing songs on there. I mean, it is, that's typical 80s right there. Like to me, you know, that's that's the 80s look with the jerry curl, the light skin, the baggy clothes, different colors, all that stuff like that. All right, okay, so kicking off the 80s, like when you think of the 80s R&B, like who comes to mind? Like we got the bars, who, who comes to mind? Michael Jackson. He wasn't light skin yet, but he, got, he called on after them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. For me, new, like I said, new edition was what was big for me in the eighties. Um, you know, just just that sound. Um, I still, I don't consider them a boy band. Other people do. They're an R and B group, in my opinion. So, I mean, they they followed. You know, the Temptations, Four Tops. You know, all, all those great. We didn't even talk about the OJ's by the set. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, all yeah. other groups we skipped in the set. Yeah, we yeah we did. Yeah, we. That, I mean. We can, we can we can do that's for next next episode. We'll just, we just we, next episode we just talk about groups. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to think. That's there were a lot of like like single artists. Like you know, we could talk about like you know, I know one of John Lee's favorites, Anita Baker. You know, yeah. we, we can talk about that. Um, you know, but there were there were a lot of like '80s. You know, what, Luther Luther, Luther came out '80s, Luther, right? Luther Luther uh, he did he did a lot of covers, but he he was he was one of the few artists that made covers. His own that you forgot, yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like I forgot. Like, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, listen to all yeah. I'm like, that's a Luther song. They were like, nah, somebody did it first, and I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, they did. Yeah, but like, yeah, he made it his own. Remember, wait till we get to the 90s on that one because yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah but Luther, like, like one of my favorite songs by Luther outside of like any love is uh is uh uh the uh. A bad boy house party, because mm. it because it, 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 it samples a Sam Cooke song, but he just he made it his own, and it's added some look lyrics about. And you think of that movie House Party, which is like a mix of like hip hop and R and B coming together. I was like that was that was awesome, and then you know a lot of his songs. You if you play Grand Theft Auto Vice City, you hear all his singles. Never too much. <laughs> sure. There were a lot of groups like. Uh... Atlantic Star was oh. popular in the 80s. I call it Jerry Curl Soul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Midnight yeah, Star. Yeah. You know, one artist that kind of 70s, 80s, Isley Brothers, right? I mean, yeah. they kind of... Uh, yeah, know, we forgot about them. Step. But think about the Isley. I could, I can't, you can't really put them in the decade because they, they started in the 60s, 70s, That's 80s, That's right. into the 90s. Into the 2000s. Yeah. Forget. Uh, what's that? Uh, what's the song? Uh, Is when R. Kelly was in the club, uh, in the video with him. Oh, keep on the download? No. Yeah. That's the song. Download, too. He was saying, you know, you, 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 yeah. see, you know, all they carry it. Ronald Isley might be the, the biggest gangster in R&B. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, that in a sense, if he was yeah. able to his sound and his style and not let it hurt. And hey, don't, don't, hey, don't don't sleep on Charlie Wilson the Gap Band, too, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yearning for your love, like uh, yeah. <laughs> outstanding is still on my like one of my top songs of all time. You know, for me, Cameo too is another group from the '80s that 
Yeah, and I'm like, yo, what's this dude wearing this red jock strap, you know, outside his clothes? And, man, you know. oh, I, this, is, this is a good story about that. I went to, <laughs> when, I, when I was uh, eight years old, they used to have, like, in Washington Park, they used to have, uh, like, the little R&B, the little, like, like, music festival in Washington Park over on, like, 51st in College Grove. Like, my mom took me when I was eight years old, and, and the, the, on that stage was Tina Marie, the Gap Band, and Cameo. But I was too young to really appreciate how great they were. I was like, oh, this is nice, but I didn't know. I'm like, I'm in front of history right now. Yeah. Like, Cameo. That's, Cameo that's has that. one of my favorite songs, Sparkle. Sparkle in your eyes. See, and I, 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 I didn't really, I wasn't really a big fan of Cool in the Gang at that time when I was younger. It wasn't until like a couple years later I was like, yo, they had some, they had some good songs too, you know? I mean, it's... Oh, and we brought him up earlier, bad boy of R&B, Mr. Rick James. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Rick James, like... Oh, we got one more group. I have to acknowledge them because I just saw him. In, well, I saw the last, some of the remaining members. Heatwave. No. Oh. Got about Heatwave. Yeah. Man, it's, it's, R&B is just, it has so many great people. <laughs> like, but man, but, they, but man, Rick James in the 80s. Yeah. And especially the early 80s. Yeah. You had Tina Marie under his under his watch, right? You had, um, I mean, there 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 were a lot of artists that kind of used. To, we, we joked about you know Eddie Murphy too. Hey, yeah, Eddie Murphy. he got Eddie Murphy. He kind of he kind of he resurrected Mary the Temptations. Girls? I mean, come on, man. Like. <laughs> yeah, but uh, what was that song he wrote for Tina Marie? Deja Vu. That was like that's one of the most beautiful love songs. That's not about like an opposite sex or anything. It's just about. Life. <laughs> Man, uh, another another underrated artist, Tina Marie. Right? She never she never really got the credit she deserved. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Her voice, her voice was something you won't hear one like that. No, never, never, never again. Nope. Uh, I think I think we got we also have to get credit to you know we got credit to Whitney, Whitney. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And in the eighties, she she kind of bled into the nineties, but that eighties run, that first album. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, but see, Whitney though, I still, I don't know how you all feel, but I still feel like she was more on the pop tip one than R and B. Yeah, but I think the first album was R and B. I think that first album was R and B. But then she went pop. because we gotta it's still some more people we gotta talk about well he was I don't think he, he was his own genre but he did R&B Prince <laughs> cause I, I don't like I don't like caging him to R&B cause he did he was his own sound it was but he created that Minneapolis sound that Tim, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis yeah. The Time The Time yeah uh, Alexander O'Neill Alexander O'Neill yeah, we go. We gonna give him his flowers, man. Go yeah, get. Yeah, he, he's so appreciated. He's telling everyone yeah. telling the harsh truth that nobody want to hear. Yeah. yeah. Great lyrics, man. I think that's what's missing in this era. Is just we don't have the creativity anymore. It's everybody just. Yeah. But we can get we can stay with the creativity is that so in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh! I just remembered. I was thinking. I'm thinking of the eighties. We forgot somebody from the seventies. We forgot they were a group and then solo. Labelle, Patty Labelle. 
yeah. Patti LaBelle '80s run was good, but someone who went down in the '80s that should have stayed in the '70s, Lionel Richie. I didn't like the '80s stuff, Lionel. <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dancing on the ceiling. No, I just want to zoom. <laughs> exactly. He's saying on zoom, Joe. Like zoom to me, literally, if I have to put an R&B song, literally my top five R&B songs all the time. When you going through something and you really thinking there's no way out, but then you start listening to that song, you realize, man, there's always a way. Yeah. But we got. I got to go to Rico here because we got to talk about because we switching from Jerry Curl Soul to New Jack Swing, so yeah. we got to switch the eras of uh, New Edition. From kind yeah. of like their early pop, their Bobby Brown sound. Well, it, start, it starts with it starts with Guy, right? Yeah, it starts with Teddy Riley Guy, because that's that was kind of their first album, you know, that I like. And um, I mean that that's that started that whole wave because then you know the whole '90s, New Jack Swing. I mean, there wasn't an album that didn't you know have a, a, a Teddy Riley produced track on there that that wasn't a hit. I mean, but yeah, Bobby Brown did. I think that Bobby Brown album that you know is really what what put New Jack Swing kind of way on the map because once once they started you know hearing that it was just like yo man this is this is definitely different and then you know it just kind of carried over to kind of life of its own right I mean there's so many artists that that had a New Jack kind of sound to it I mean it's it's crazy but yeah I, I doubt that's that's still one of my I mean. I feel like whenever I'm in a bad mood, if I can just put on a, a New Jack Swing type track, that's that's pretty much it. You know, that, that makes my day. Um, but that era, I love I love '90s music. You know, in terms of the R&B, I think they, I think that's when it's kind of took kind of life and actually stood out more. I thought that that was an era that R&B was like right up there with like pop and 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 rap. Like we talked about rap at the last episode, but it was just like it was just like that that whole era was just like just crazy. It's crazy. A lot, a lot of, like we're talking, a lot of creativity, um, a, a lot of different sounds and styles that just made. But that's you know, again, I'm biased because you know, I was I was in college at that time, so college is the time when you're really trying to find yourself, and the '90s music was like perfect for me. Yeah. You know? All right. So before we cut off the '80s, I need one. I need two things. One, I need Jay Lee. Tell us about Anita Baker. This is all you. This is all you right now. Here we go. This is all you. My love for Anita Baker knows no, no bounds, and I'm only gonna I'm only gonna talk about one song. Anita Baker put one song out that everybody needs to listen to because we won't be delusional no more. Fairy tale. Go lyrically, just listen to what she's saying and the sound of it. So that song is a prime example of why Anita Baker was a, such a strong figure in the in the music period because not only did she give you the sound that you were looking for and, and, and touch you, it was also you go listen to what she's saying, she's giving you lessons. And it's like that power is something that generates over time and it continues. Like you put it on, you don't hear she her voice was so unique, you never hear anybody like another Tina Marie, like these people are like these are like once in a lifetime talents that we don't cherish as much. You know what I'm saying? Like People didn't give Tina Marie her just due before she, you know, she left prematurely. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God took her at the time that she was supposed to go, but we weren't ready for her to leave. That's our selfishness. You know what I mean? But Nina Baker is just one of those artists that over time, more people are going to appreciate, not only because of what she brought to the music industry or the sound in and of itself, but also the quality of her music because certain albums, like even like if you look at, listen to her greatest hits, 
even if you go back and take those take those albums that the, from those songs, the songs those albums are on, go listen to those albums. You might not want to skip too many songs, and that's the thing about it: consistency. She was able to evolve her sound. Then when she got out the music, not because she couldn't make music no more, because she was raising her sons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You bring up a good point. I don't think I don't think a lot of female artists get the credit that they deserve because of what you just said, John Lee, the fact that they had to go, you know, go home take care of their kids. I mean, yeah. they, they got to choose, you know. Yeah. And so, and like to, to end off with the '80s, it's what I what I consider is an album that. Bill Simon. No, no. Oh, oh man, we forgot about her. Phyllis Hyman, we forgot about her. My bad. Yeah. Oh man, and, and the thing about Phyllis Hyman is like it's, uh, it's such a tragedy with her. That, mm-hmm. that you know, and you, it's like you can hear like the pain in her voice because it was so, yeah. it was so strong. And like one of one of my favorite songs was one of her uh, her early '80s songs, which was a disco era song. It had disco elements. Was a, one of her first singles. You know how to love me. That's what, yeah. man, you already know. You know? Put that on the man. <laughs> oh, man, I, I used to, I, man. Oh, man. I, I used to, I, man. My, uh, my last, like, few months going, when I was working for BAM, that was, that's nice to play. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, but I want, I want, I want to end off with the 80s. I want, I want Rico to tell us, this is, just describe this album to us, because I think, it's an album that has by a group that hasn't been touched yet. That's New Edition Heartbreak. I don't think any any group has touched that album since it came out. You know, that was... I mean, let, let's think about that time, though, okay? So they had just brought in Johnny Gill because they were kind of tired of the pop sound that they were, you know, the bubblegum pop sound that they were doing. So history would say that Johnny Gill was brought in to replace Ralph Tresvant. There are conflicting stories about that. Ralph would say that, I think. Yeah, well, I think, well, yeah. So you had those five guys. You had the right producer, Jimmy J. and Terry Lewis, who produced the whole album from beginning to end. It ran kind of like a concert, so there's little snippets in between. It's it's probably my favorite new edition album of all time. Um, But the right combination of dance songs and love songs. I mean, come on, Can You Stay in the Rain? I don't think very many R&B groups can even touch that sound, that song, period, because of, in my opinion, like, I wasn't a big fan of Johnny Gill as a solo artist when he was doing this stuff way back when, because it was just like, mm. but put him in the group with New Edition with Ralph Tresman, and that's a good combination of R&B. Um, so to me, like that, yeah, by far, that, I mean, come on, man, like, Jagged Edge had an album, what do they call it, like, they tried to copy their, you know, their sound. Oh, that J.E. Heartbreak. Oh, get yeah, the hell I mean, out of here with that. <laughs> but again, I mean, what, that album came out, what, in 88, I think. Um, and to me, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think you, you hit it on the head. Like, that 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 album, it's hard it's hard to top that album. You know, that was definitely at the peak. Uh, at a time when, you know, again, you know, they were kind of like, they were gone away for a while. You know, they did that Under the Blue Moon where they were like doing these old school songs and they disappeared. There was only like four of them and then there was talk they would never come back again and then all of a sudden they came back with this other singer. You're like, yo, what just happened? But yeah, definitely a great album. But again, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, right? I mean, those... Yeah, yeah they... We, we can look at the 80s, 90s and we can look at a couple producers, right? Jimmy Jam, Terry yeah. Lewis, Teddy Riley, and Babyface. And then yeah. you put those three, those producers together and just about any, any album... 80s, 90s, and you got... They they, they, they're going to appear somewhere. I mean, just, just look at the lineage 
advantage of, of Babyface, even the deal, which is another under-the-radar under, under the radar kind of group that he was a part of yeah. with L.A. Reid. And then you've got, you know, you got Tevin Campbell, Tony Braxton. After seven. After seven. <laughs> the list. I mean, it's just, there's just so many, you know. And then they got I'm the ass out of that, too. That's, that's on a whole different genre. We can go we can stick with, with that's how the sugar tree is. Yeah. I'll yeah. from the Babyface family tree. Yeah. And that's, yeah. TLC. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's switch it over to the '90s. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna cut this out because it's it's like different, like segments of R&B. Like there's still like the early '90s. There's like the New Jack Swing. Yeah. Then there's like the super producer projects like Babyface, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis. There's neo soul, neo soul kind of movement. That kind of yeah. uh, movement. And then there's the uh, what I like to call the uh, the the the, the the horny teenage sex R and B, the Josie, the genuine. They might be one of my favorite songs, but from them and in the period and the nineties, but it is one of those horny teenage songs though. Yeah. All right. So like like you guys can take any any era that you want to start off with, and we'll just we'll just flow with the conversation. <laughs> I'm gonna let y'all have the '90s. I'm just gonna sit and learn something because me in the '90s don't really like to. <laughs> but no, you, I know you're gonna come in. You're gonna come in on the neo soul part because we. Oh yeah. <laughs> how, how, how about we, we focus on the the the, the R and B groups, boy bands, the high fives, the yeah. you know silks, shies, Jodeci. You can put them in there. Whatever, boys whatever to men. Engagement. Boys to men. You know. You know. But um, yeah. True. But I mean, True. what was that? True. True. Oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. So wow, that just by by far the most underrated, in my opinion, is true. No, without question. Without question. Altitude. Now they were a part of another group. Well, their production was done by some of the best songs were done by Levert. So, oh, Levert. Oh, Joe Levert. Yeah. So if we're gonna if we're gonna give them props, we got to give props to Levert because they were the ones who kind of produced a lot of some of the some of the bigger hits. But yeah, true by far. Talk about like I always said that they were, they they could have given New Edition a run for their money in in a lot of ways because they at least had three three guys who could sing. They could dance their butts off. Just watch any video by Troop, and you're just like, yo, how the hell? Can they, these guys sing that good and dance that good too? Um, but yeah, Troop was definitely one of those under the radar uh, R&B groups. But there were a lot of those kind of cookie cutter where you had four or five guys singing, dancing, so for real, like you know, uh, the boys, like so many of those artists that you just like, okay, one hit wonders, maybe one album or two yeah. decent, and then you had the solo artists, the young kids, Tevin Campbell's, you know, people like that. But like. That's 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 when it kind of got saturated. But again, you know, you're talking about they at least had either a baby face and or a Teddy Riley cut, you know, in their album, and that's what made you listen to them. But there were some other songs on there as well that were that were pretty decent. But I always love the debate between like Shy Silk, you know, Boys to Men, like all these, you know, groups that could sing acapella, but then also kind of you know get down and dirty and dance or whatever. But there were a lot of other ones, kind of one, one hit wonders that kind of came away. You're just like, yo, you know, but um, yeah, so that's to me. And then I'll, I'll pass the mic over to, to you with the rest of the R&B. But, uh, but I, 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 that's, that's an era that I was kind of like kind of phasing out. Cause that's when I, I that's when I was really listening to hip hop a little bit more because it was more creativity with, with hip hop in my opinion at that time. Um, 
because I was just sticking to like okay R and B, but I, I was a big Babyface fan. Anything that he touched. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Babyface. The Boomerang soundtrack. Boomerang soundtrack. The, those soundtracks that he did, man. Boomerang. Uh, uh, Soul Food, uh, wait for well, actually, Mo, Mo Money was Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. I believe they produced that whole, but that's another soundtrack. Oh. Yeah, yeah. That's, we can talk about that. I mean, that's yeah, that's the thing with the, with these soundtracks. Like they have they have music that went with the movie. Yep. Like they would they would create songs for the movie. Now it's just like I feel like a lot of soundtracks now is just random songs. So you just <laughs> okay, this is soundtrack for the movie. Like no, they wrote songs like this is what the character is going to be doing. This is what this this is this is how they feel. This goes with their character, yeah. and now it's just like okay, let's just put some ba- random background music. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like, but speaking of like '90s R&B, I was talking about the neo soul movement. That that kind of shifted like a lot of how R&B was sounding. And I say, even though he gets a lot of credit, he's still underrated. That's Maxwell because he's five for five, yeah. five great albums. Yeah, well, I used to argue with you when I was younger. You like the hate because no, no, you know how, you know how auntie used to always be playing the damn CD. Oh uh, yeah. no, he he I said because my mother played like Fortunate like a hundred million times in a row. <laughs> but, but 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 Maxwell's albums, like his albums, just yeah. spectacular. And well, like, how do you all feel about D'Angelo versus Maxwell? What are your thoughts on that? If I have to pick sound-wise, I'm going with D'Angelo. But if I have to go with literal, uh, actual body of work and quality of music, I probably have to go with Maxwell. Yeah, I, I felt like if D'Angelo had maybe one more solid album, yeah, I think I think he would he would be. Yeah, I mean, one more Black Messiah. He might, he might have us, bro. <laughs> he might have us, bro. Yeah. I, I tell you, the first time I heard Brown Sugar, I was like, yo, this is, like, unreal. Like, yo, what's he talking about? Like, he said that? Like, oh, like, that that album. Yeah. I, th- I always said the two albums that really stuck out for me were Lauryn Hill and D'Angelo. Those were the two from the 90s that really stuck out for me. Like, everyone had those albums. I don't care if you were white, black. Latino, whatever. Everyone had those two albums. Am I right? I mean, I I don't know too many people. Like we talked about rap last time. We said, you know, like I said, that when Dr. Dre came out with his, yeah, everybody was playing the Chronic. Everyone was playing the Chronic. Everyone didn't matter. Rich, poor, it didn't matter. Everyone, but for me, everyone that I knew my age had Lauren Hill and D'Angelo. They didn't understand. They didn't necessarily understand. Uh, Lauren Hill and D'Angelo, but they had those albums and because they knew it was different. It was a, it was a sound that like yo, like what is this? You know, uh, and I still love D'Angelo. I love D'Angelo. I, I feel like he's one of those. That's why I said when you all talk, and I love Maxwell too, but D'Angelo, man, like he. And that uh, that Brown Sugar, and then like he took five years off and came back. I, I guess we, I guess we can. We can it's two thousand. It's kind of still nineties. Yeah. Because back voodoo. I give one thing, one, give him some credit. Yeah. D'Angelo was one of the few artists that could take time off. And people, whenever he came back, it was like he never left. Yeah. Yeah, because people still waiting for the next Lord Hill album, right? I mean, people are still waiting. <laughs> it's like 30 years. They held us down for so long. <laughs> yeah. But we got artists that we have to really like give, give, some, give some credit to, give some flowers to, appreciation. Raphael Sadiq. Yeah. Tony, 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 Tony. Yeah. Come on, man. 
2020, 2020, 2020, right. mid condition. Oh yeah. man, like oh, Stokely is uh, amazing. <laughs> Minneapolis sound, right? Yeah. They, they took it to another level. I mean, it's yeah. They, they, and they were a true band. Band, band. <laughs> yeah. So, so I want to love somebody. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was that. What kind of man would I be if you love me? <laughs> oh, and pretty brown eyes. Everyone remembers the first time they heard pretty brown eyes, and everyone was just like. was having a lot of good R&B. Yeah. Tony, Raphael Sadiq's sound with Tony, what was that, like, It Never Rains? Uh, mm-hmm. the, uh, Me and You from the Boys in the Hood soundtrack, which was a mix of, of hip-hop and R&B on that soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, well, they had so many songs. Uh, uh, it, oh, it, it feels good. Uh, let's get down with uh, DJ Quick. Yeah. DJ Quick. <laughs> oh, no, the, the, the funniest thing is, like, I, the first time I heard that song was on Nickelodeon, all that. Yo. <laughs> and, and, I, and I started going on YouTube looking at, like, the artists that they used to have on all that. They had all the the top R&B hip-hop artists, but they had, like, yeah. they when I saw Ice Cube performing, we be clubbing. <laughs> on, that, on that Nickelodeon show. Louis Beth Denberg in the back dancing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On, on, on uh, Nas and Lauren Hill on... Uh, <laughs> See, and I'm, I'm glad you just said that because I, we talked about this and rap. This The 90s was the first like R&B rap collaboration. Yeah. We had a lot of artists doing that and it just took it to another level because then you had like these these crazy combinations, you know, uh, like you said. I mean, it's just there's just, there's just so much about that era that's just like yeah i mean that's when you saw this these collaborations and then now it just brought it to a wider audience and so now people who love rap music knew who like some of these other artists were and vice versa which was awesome yeah and then i think the 90s was a lot of like like in the 80s you they were like they were like b-side like mixes but now they had a lot of remixes in the 90s yep. especially a lot of r&b hits and then you're like okay we're gonna do a hip-hop remix you're gonna add a bunch of get some rappers here and that mixture so- of hip hop so and R and B. Can I can I share my my boys to men story before we get out of the nineties? Oh uh, uh, yeah, the, so, yeah yeah. So I don't know if John Lee knows this, but I, I my undergrad I was radio broadcasting and I had my internship at WGCI, and on Fridays I was in the music department, and so they had these what they call music meetings, and that would be they would listen to songs and then they would decide what would be played on the air. So it was the music director, the assistant music director, the program director, and then I got to sit in. So they go around, they play, they would play the intro, and they, they liked it, and they would play, fast forward to the chorus, and if they liked it, then they played the whole song, and then they would decide. So Boys to Men, second album comes out, Water Runs Try. Y'all remember that song, right? Yeah. The program director at the time thought it was too pop. He's like, can't play this on G. Hold on. Yeah, I know, I know. Okay, so so here's, 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 here's my little, what I can say, my little kind of... Um, I don't know what you call it, but anyway, I, I, a way of me kind of getting my, my, my name out there, right? So we're sitting in this music room. Now, mind you, on Saturdays, I'm in the studio taking down requests. And everyone at that time kept requesting Boys and Men, Water Run Shy. So they started playing an R&B mix of Water Run Shy. If y'all don't remember that, don't even bother listening to it because it was terrible. GCI was playing it, but wasn't getting a lot of 
lot of requests for it, but I would take them like, no, 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 play it. So in this music meeting, they, they listened to it again. So everyone got a chance to vote. What do you think? Program director didn't like the, the album version. Music director did. The assistant music director was kind of on the fence about it. Or I think she was kind of leaning toward, you know, the, the album. So it came to me and they asked me, what are your thoughts? And I was like, said, I, I said, I think it's one of my favorite cuts on the album, period. I said, and I said, judging by the request, people want to hear it. So here's my claim to fame. The next week, we, we started playing the album version. It was the number one most requested song that whole week. No. And because I was like, yeah, I mean, it's different, right? And that's a babyface, if I'm not mistaken, it's a babyface produced cut. Probably like three minutes, three minutes, 30 minutes, thir- three minutes, 30 seconds long for some reason uh, that, that's popping in my head. But that track to me was like a staple for that album. I mean, yeah, you know, you got, you know, I'm Bending Knee, you know, you got, you know, all, all these other tracks on there. But that track was like the one track that you're like, yo, this is, this is, this is, this is cool, you know? And so that's my little claim to fame, GCI back in the 90s. Uh, that, you know, that was a song that I pushed for. I was like, yo, I, and I, I said it, I was like, that's a song that I know people want to hear. That to me is one of my favorite tracks on the album. And then lo and behold, boom. It was the number one most requested song. I know that because I actually took the tallies myself because I was working <laughs> my internship. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's uh, crazy. Uh, that's, that's a fantastic and that's what they would literally listen to the intro. If they liked the intro, went to the chorus. If they liked the chorus, and they played the whole song. And then they would pick and choose what songs. And so if we're going to talk about Mary J. Blige, which I don't know if we want to talk about or not, GCI at that time, if y'all remember, played the crap out of that album first. I mean, every just about every track, they didn't get clearance to play. Like most artists would say, we're pushing this song, we want you to push this song. GCI is like, no, we're going to play the song that we want. And that's how much power GCI had back in the 90s. I want to say it was the number one urban station in the country at that time. And it's, and they, 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 they utilized their power by basically saying, we're going to play whatever track we want. I remember like every listening to GCI back in the 90s, every hour on the hour, it was a different Mary J. Blige song. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. I don't need to buy the, I don't need to buy the CD. You can play every song. <laughs> and and I, I really believe that's the reason why I'm not a big Mary J. Blige fan because I don't hear that song. Story about Mary J. Blige. You want to hear this one? Please. Uh, Let's go. My mouth gets me in trouble, but it makes people understand that I'm not gonna bite my tongue. So I'm in Harlem. I'm at. Uh, I'm not gonna say which restaurant because I'm still cool with the family, and but I did, you know, the relationship is kind of fucked up, right, messed up right now. But I'm at this restaurant, I'm at the bar, the bartender. If I Mary J. Blast come on, the bartender pulled my drink. This is when I was drinking, and I'm just listening. I'm, just, you know, I'm listening to the music. I'm like, dang man, I miss when Mary J. Blast was dope. And I said, wow, right? And we're I'm in New York, and they're looking like, oh, for real? What's wrong? I'm like, because you don't feel no soul in her music when she happy, and I was like, I'm not trying to be, not, I don't want nobody to be miserable, but it just sounds, you could, when she is, like, her you, her pain comes through, and it's like, it makes her music better. I hate to say that. I don't want to see nobody suffering. And I was like, but when she's happy, her music is trash. I said, it's just like that. It's garbage to me. I just don't like it. It's not, it's like, it, I don't feel her like I normally do. Because, like, my life was, I don't care what anyone says, like, regardless of our sound, that album, if you listen to it, the sounds of it, it was just incredible. You know what I'm saying? He knows a lot of sampling. It's an incredible album based on the 90s. It's like a 90s representation, some 70s, 80s stuff. But long story short, I'm sitting up there talking, and my cousin, like, he lives in New York. And so his wife, and they like, uh, and her, her best friend, they're like, does, does he know? I'm telling the bartender all this stuff, right? 
And they're like, does he know? And they're like, no. Because her best friend, her family owns a restaurant. And so I'm like, no. I'm like, okay. So I'm saying, I don't give a damn. I'm just going to be me. And come, <laughs> at the end of the day, like, all right, should we tell him? Yeah. So the, uh, the, the bartender was married to Black stepdaughter. Right. Get, she gave you poison. This is poison. Like, she like, you know what? That's messed up that you say that. But I feel the same way. And we were, me and her were hanging. Like my other homegirl, I got real cool. Like they, you know, what I'm saying they, they ended up hanging out that night because she stayed close and she stayed near. I guess she, she was. I guess a, the situation was better for her to be there as far as the location. But we hung out that weekend and kicked it because she. I wasn't no fake person. Remember the remember the Charles Hamilton clip when he got the rings knocked out of him. <laughs> yeah. Tony Braxton. Oh, Tony Braxton. Yeah. Babyface. Babyface laced it with some stuff. Oh, <laughs> Another sad love song. Love should have brought you home last night. That whole CD. That whole days. Yeah. Oh, yeah that That's whole... one of the best, like, I think, like, first CDs or albums of any artist. You know, I would put that in the top, you know, 15, top 20 all time. Because the... the the songs on there talk about singing from the heart like lord have mercy that woman all like five feet nothing and man and she has such a unique singing voice like to be yeah. like you see you wouldn't think that she would have such a, a deep but womanly voice it's like well we were talking about nita baker like that's the most you, know, you, you, you to hear her voice coming out of that body it's like yo tony braxton was the same way mm-hmm. yeah oh i forgot about erica badu because she stretches from the 90s to like yeah. currently she's still uh, releasing music also, right? I mean, yes yeah, yeah. You, you have to you have to put her in there yeah, that like, conversation yeah. Yeah. I'd be the queen of it we gonna have that conversation man. Yeah. <laughs> I know I know Jilly from Philly's up there too but I'm just saying yeah, yeah. I, I guess we, I guess we can cause that transitions us to 2000 so <laughs> and beyond so that's when like like Neo Soul was it was at its height and it dropped down quickly cause I think D'Angelo just stopped stopped making music Lauren said, stop making music and have more babies. <laughs> uh, I also think, though, rap took and they're like hip hop. Yeah. Like, this yeah. was like. This Not was like, Nas and Jay Z era. Yeah, this was like when that, that kind of elevated hip hop. Because yeah. <laughs> people were like. Like property. Yeah, people. All that was going on. Yeah, this was like yeah. around the time when they thought. Yeah, this was right after like Jay Z and DMX had that big tour, which really put the. Hip hop back because people were like yeah. with hip hop, people were still like they were like hip hop. Yeah, they were still thinking about that uh the whole Biggie and Pac like hip hop violence. But yeah. then they was just like, okay, now DMX and Jay Z, they're not they're not gonna die. And like we got oh we got this white boy now, he can rap. Well, yeah, I think I think rap was becoming more commercial on R and B stations, and so the the when we're talking about radio, the most requested songs are all gonna be rap songs on an R and B station. So a lot of those artists, that's what they, I mean, a lot of those record labels that they were looking for, they were looking for the next, you know, great rap artist, you know, or group or whatever. So I think Neil Soul kind of got pushed back because it was different, you know, just like Tribe Called Quest, like Jungle Bros, all of them, they all got pushed back when all these other rappers were coming up talking, going back into the streets again. You know, people weren't 
people weren't listening to all that that feel good music, right? You know, but, I, I was. Yeah, <laughs> well, I was. I was listening up. I might have some feel good music, but I might listen to some Three Six Mafia or some Five Five Two. So. <laughs> I, I I used to, I used to joke and say when I would listen to the car, I wouldn't listen to my home stereo. So it was a different different kind of vibe depending on where I was, who yeah. I was with. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, it's so like this so is car music. This is when I'm just chilling music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but the artist that came out like the, at the end of the neo soul movement that I feel is still underrated and one of the most talented is Bilal. He's Indeed. he's Indeed. like first one second. Thank you. You were the first. You gave I, that. I, I gave. Yeah, I, I gave. So I was just like, man, this this album's incredible. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, because at first I would listen. Then I started listening to the lyrics. And I was just like, man. He's like, he's not only singing, he's singing about real stuff, about, about like going through a breakup. And like, even though my high school self, I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, man. But I'm like, man, he's really good. <laughs> when you say, go listen to Sometimes. Yeah, oh, that's that song. Years old, and I'm listening. I'll be, I hit that come on. I went, Oh my, I, I don't know. I'm not, I get this. I don't know why this makes so much sense to me. <laughs> when he said, I wish I didn't have home training sometimes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But then, but that was around the time where I just like, where even, even, even to the present now, I have to search for like, because you know, it's not, it's not, it's not popular music anymore. like Oh, we actually forgot about one artist from the 90s that actually became a superstar in the 2000s, Usher. Yeah, he, hey, my, my way was the album that really put together up there. Then when he dropped that, uh, that, that uh, 48 with the, with the album that came out. 8701. Like, oh, yeah, 8701. When he dropped that joint, oh. hey, man, everybody had to just shut up, man. You don't have to call was on there. Uh, You got it bad. Hey, he, he had bangers on that album. Also, we forgot about Aaliyah, to be honest with you. We're talking yeah. about the 90s. Because, to me, if she wouldn't have passed away, she would she would still be making music now, in my opinion, and still knocking it out of the park. Uh, her sound... Not a love they have, right? They would, they'd have the popularity, but the, the, I guess the ranking that they have, if she would have she wouldn't have transitioned the way she did, man, a lot yeah. of people would be kissing her feet. Yeah, that was... That was. Uh, I also I also give props to Alicia Keys to be honest with you. I love Alicia Keys. I like I like her style. Yeah. And and and, and early John Legend. I don't like the latest stuff that he's been doing. But yeah. the Early John Legend. I, I, I don't like uh, pandering, moaning John Legend. Like, <laughs> yeah. I like that 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 second album he did. Uh, that once again. Oh my God, that was. Brandon, we, 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 we used to argue with this about people all the time. I'm like I'm like he, when, if he would have kept that sound, he would it would have been amazing. Album. Wow. And, you That's know, one artist that we didn't talk about, I think I may have mentioned this when I saw John Legend in concert, one of my favorite concerts was Sade. Day. Is Sade... Oh, oh, we forgot the 80s Sade. I, I, I think I went to, I went to that concert. John Legend, we talked yeah, about that. Yeah. I went to that same concert, and that concert blew me away. Sade performed for like two and a half hours, and you're like, man, she has so many hits and sounds flawless in concert. Like, I've never... Very few artists sound the same in concert as they do on record, CD, whatever. She was one that I was like, yo, I mean, like, and the diversity in the in the audience. I think I shared this at one point with you, Beast Move. Like, you had kids up to, like, grandparents yeah. watching Sade in concert. I mean, yeah. that's how long her legacy and, like, it stretched. Like, so many so many people, so many different – it was just amazing. But that's, that's an artist, like – 
and some people like is she R and B is she pop like she just makes great music like you can put her you know put her in the category of kind of like a prince where they kind of just carve their own niche and like you just you know yeah. sit back and marvel at, at, at them yeah. but that's that's when, when I think like John Legend I always go back to that concert because he performed for a half hour and they took a half hour for them to fix the stage if I'm not if I'm mistaken yeah. and then she performed for two and a half hours and I, I was like I, I wanted to keep going like yeah. it just so I remember that because I remember there was a Sunday that I went and it rained and then then, I, then, saw that, I saw that the United Center. Is that what you saw? Yeah. Too? Okay. I remember, I remember, it was like three nights. I think they put yeah. up like three nights. I mean, yeah. it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, like, if we was, because I know you're familiar with working with radio, like, she got a start on, like, The Quiet Storm, which was like, yeah. oh. it's like an underrated radio format for R&B. Like, yeah. The Quiet Storm. Like, you, 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 when you hear that, uh, that Smokey that smoke Robinson come on, do that, do, Quiet Storm. Yeah, I remember. I remember. I had uh, when I was still working at GCI. I had to. I, I stepped in on the Quiet Storm, and I remember like working, producing. That was like when Irene Mojica was on there. Oh yeah. And, and shout out to Irene, Mama Hita Talk about like full of energy and one of the one of the sweetest, nicest people. But I remember like I, I had to work with her, and I had never you know worked at that time. She's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, sweet. Don't but that, yeah. But that the Quiet Storm music, yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, we got off track. We got to go back to 2000. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You you were talking about Alicia Keys. She's another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alicia Keys. Yeah. She's Alicia another Alicia one. Keys. Like, like with John Legend. Like the second album is when I became a real fan. Like the yeah. first album, because I guess because the Fallen was such a big hit, I got tired of it. I like I don't want to hear anything from her. But then the second album, I was just like, what? You don't know my name? Uh, if I can get you, die. Kanye put his foot on that track. He put his foot on that track. You can't say nothing about him that track. I, I feel like with John Legend and Alicia Keys, they try to market them as pop artists. I think that's the mistake because I think their first albums, they market them as pop and they're not. They're R&B. And then once they finally figured out, oh, they are R&B, the second album was like solidified. Yeah, these are R&B artists and this is where they need to be. That's my, that's my opinion because I feel like a lot of those artists, they try to they put them in different categories. It's just like, just play the music and, and you know, like the, decide. The audience will, will decide what they're going to yeah. play. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm, I'm probably one of the minority on this. I didn't, I love Alicia Keys' first album. And it falling irritated me. I used to skip that all the time. But the rest of the album, she had songs on there that I like. Mr. Man with Jimmy Cozier. And I can go, uh, Jane Doe, she had, she had a couple, she had some songs that I actually like on that. I, I actually like that album. Um, but the second album, like you said, that was the one that everybody was like, yo. Uh, and, I, and I'm I mad. Like more, I like John Legend's first album more than I like his second album, so I'm on the minority in that, but I, I enjoy his first album a lot. Yeah, I, I like his first album, but I just thought the sound on that second album, I was just like, he felt comfortable. I was just exactly. like... His vocal range, it's like he was trying to do too much on the first album. For me, it took away from it, the enjoyment of his singing, even though... It sounded good. It's just I can tell yeah. he, he knows that he can't really. That's not meant for him at that. You know what I'm saying in that range. That's not for you, man. That's for somebody else. <laughs> that's that's a good topic to talk about. Like best, like because some artists only have like a good first album, not a good second album. Like that's that's a good topic because to me, like Boys and Men's second album blows away. You know their first album. Yeah, because because you know? I don't think they they were a new Jack Swing to me, so I don't think they should have been singing that. <laughs> yeah. Also, had different producers on the yeah. first album. I think yeah, I think Dallas. I think Dallas Austin, the the guy who did like a lot of like the TLC early TLC stuff. I think yeah. he produced a lot of the early I stuff. I think once they got under under uh, under Babyface, 
He knew how to mold them. Yeah. 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 Oh, hey, we forgot about TLC. I let up. That crazy, sexy, cool album. We, just wanna, we can go back and forth now. Because <laughs> yeah. that crazy, sexy, cool album was... Talk, talk about like an artist. I think Pebbles, which is uh, Elliot Reed's wife, was the one who discovered them or something. Gave yeah. them props or something, but... That was, you know, they didn't know what to do with them. Like, are they R and B? Are they pop? And they had, they had it all, right? They had, they had the, you know, Left Eyes rap. You had, you know, T Boz and, and Chili, you know, singing. I mean, it's yeah. But that, I think that was that was a good, that was a lethal combination. But know? I think they once they started of, letting like T Boz, like, because I think the, the first few albums they were letting like Left Eye be kind of like the lead. Like we're gonna start off with the rap. I'm like, no, start start off with Left Left Eye's voice. It's something that you can start off with. You can end up with, you can get to left eye, but you got to start off with the voice. You got to start off with uh, T Boz. Yeah, very, very unique. Yeah, very unique voice. T Boz had like that raspy kind of, yeah. kind of voice. You're like these girls are all like four feet nothing, and they <laughs> they just pack a, a punch. Yeah, how to work? They know how to make it come together. That's the that's the beauty of it. You could put the differences. Like T Boz had that raspy voice. Chili had that more of a, you know, that singer sultry voice, and then Left Eye was just, she's a wild card. You don't know what you're going to get from her, and, but it all worked out and, and when they put it together. And unfortunately, the timing of it wasn't the best for as far as them expanding their reign, but hey, man, that's, that was one of those groups that you can never take away what they added to what we do. Yeah. You can't talk about the 90s without talking about TLC. There's no, there's no, there's no question. Um, I would put them. I put them in terms of R and B groups, female. I put them ahead of and Vogue only because of the number of hits and the style. Of them, you know, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I agree with you as far as the impact. But we talking about sound alone. Hey man. Oh yeah. Uh, hey Don, Don out saying anybody in TLC. <laughs> oh oh that, oh Lucy Pearl. That, Lucy Pearl. Thank you. That talk about yeah. That I wish they would have dropped more albums because I think that was a that was a pretty. Pretty, yeah. pretty dope combination right there. You yeah, know, but I, I, think, I think it's up to like, we, I think we've seen that throughout the years that that Don's not the easiest person to get along with. <laughs> and like, I think they, I think if she would have like, kind of reined in her ego a little bit, they could have had a couple of more albums. But her personality wouldn't allow for it. Yeah, <laughs> like certain people oh, like. At least Naeem Muhammad. You had uh, the tra- you had a legend from the Trap Call Quest. You had the, the one of the goats in Ralph. I mean, uh, Raphael Sadiq, and then you turn around and you have a strong voice like her, and she didn't want, and it didn't, and it, it lasted for that one album. Yeah, and I, I think it, 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 it could have, you know, Groove Theory. You know, even though they only had. Oh, like, oh, I forgot about Mel Larue. A Mel Larue. <laughs> like to me. Lucy Pearl, it, it kind of reminded me of Groove Theory, right? Because you had like dope production, you had this unique sounding voice, and you're just like, man, if I, I wish they could have just added. I mean, I don't know. Like to me, it's like that's still one of my favorite tracks that I play, you know, all the time. You know, Tell Me and, uh, and, and um, what was the other track? What was the one where she sang like Hello? Is it, was, is it called Hello? I can't remember. But uh, Hello is me. The Ivy uh, oh. Brothers cover or. Like who did yeah, before the Isley oh, Brothers? Wow. When she sings that, like, the okay, that voice. Whew. Yeah, but yeah. but Groove Theory that was uh, they they disagreed to get it because her husband was uh, jealous of the guy. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's, that was sad because they man, what was it Puppy Love, Marvin? Baby, baby Love, Love Baby Love, Baby Love. Auntie's playing all the time. But when I heard that, not that album 
in and of itself, just the sound of it. Like, we get, could we get back to that kind of vibration of music? Yeah, yeah. This, this kind of how I want to end this. Like, it's like the thing. It's, it's hard for me to find like, like new singers who sing the way and make the music that I like. Cause yeah. I, I think a lot yeah. of singers yeah. now, like they're, they they do that. I call it that whispery type of high pitched singing. That I'm like, can you can you sing maybe a soprano maybe? I like a her. couple couple of baritones. Yeah, like she, her, yes. her, her is yes. her, her like yes. right, she wants to got it right now, man. Yeah. Yeah, ain't nobody R and B wise. They ain't they ain't touching. They ain't, they, yeah. ain't, they ain't even the same department. I I agree. I she is talented. I mean, yeah. did you see her when they did that Prince tribute? Yo, oh, she was. Like, like talk about talent, like that's. You know what I'm saying? Like she's one of the people you look at her, you can't question her. Like she got it. Yep. She got it. Yep. Yeah. Oh man, and it's this, uh, it's this new guy that I really that he he was he was with D'Angelo on the uh, the Black Messiah soundtrack. His name he's from he's from Chicago. His name is uh, Isaiah Sharkey, and he has this uh, this song called Time. And it's you I, when I first heard it, I thought. I was like, man, they got they got this unreleased D'Angelo or this unreleased Prince. And they was like, nah, this guy named Isaiah Sharkey, he's a wonderful guitar player. He's from Chicago, like was in Cabrini Green and then became like a self-taught guitarist and he, he worked on D'Angelo with the Black Messiah album. And I actually let, let me see if I can like bring up his song because it's it's a it's a fantastic song. <laughs> I can't think I can't think of any other artist right now to be right honest now. with you. Cause we talk about, I know, I know a couple like R&B as far as this era, like there's nothing really new right now, but it's a whole like spectrum of artists that really weren't covered. Like we can talk about Cy Smith, like she's dope as hell. Uh, just look at the foreign exchange group uh, with Fonte and what he did with them. Like they dropped R&B album. People don't even think yeah. of like, we think of him just being a rapper. Like that Leave It All Behind album. Forget about it. I don't want to, don't tell me nothing about Fonte not being a versatile artist. Uh, look at Janelle Monet when she first started. Yeah. Her run, after, after Arc Android, we saw what it was, but before yeah. that. Her, her last album, I was just like, nah. Yeah, that last album, I was like, you, you, you done jumped off, you done, you done looked up on the deep end. Yeah. That, that first, that was the, the, the first album that had the, that had a Happy Hunting and all that stuff. What was that called? Uh, was that, that Wonderland? Yeah, the Wonderland Metropolis Suite, I In think. Metropolis, the Metropolis joint. And then she dropped it. Then you had the audition. You gave me that. Let's talk about another artist, Khalees. Khalees uh, Handsome. Hey, let's go. What was that Wonderland album? The one that, came, the one that you, uh, the one that released overseas. Yeah. It just came over here recently. Like, there are artists over the years that we haven't necessarily, that aren't necessarily yeah. getting the same. Yeah. Um, what I found is that, that the Europeans love R&B music more than we yeah. do. <laughs> That's and that's why you have all those British, uh, like Adele. Adele does R and B. Adele's yeah. R and B singer. Yeah, she is. <laughs> like like when we export, when R and B is exported here, like it's celebrated. But I think, our I home, think the elements, I think the elements of Sam Smith and his yeah. his his, song, his music that you're yeah. just like you close yeah. your eyes, you would swear that's R and B music. Yeah, you know? like I heard when Disclosure like was looking when they, when he was on that Disclosure song when they were looking for him and they they heard like one of his demos. They they thought they were gonna be talking to a black woman. Y'all Russell Jackson? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I I, I started I started listening to him. Go listen to the Blue album. You understand exactly what I'm talking about. You don't have to listen to nothing else from him. Just listen to that one album. It's called Jackson, okay. but it's the Blue album. Okay, I th- I think I pulled it off. Give me let me see if I can play it. Yeah, 
this, the first track, you listen to something and you got it. Just try it in. But it's this style switched up too. But it's like it's a lot of stuff sporadically over the years. It's still still it's still some good R and B. Just you got to search for it. Yeah. Okay, this is Isaiah Sharkey time. I'm gonna play like since I since I want to keep my thing on SoundCloud. I'm only gonna play like 30 seconds. <laughs> Like his uh, like his inst- instruments instrumental is is very like D'Angelo-ish. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, he's a, he's an up and coming guy, but you know, I can only I'm not going. I got to listen to like V103 in a day <laughs> to find to find to listen to because it's the only I found out I'm an old man now because I listen to V103 more than anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or or I got my own little like mix on Apple Music of like R&B. <laughs> I'm all about Spotify right now, so I just kind of like just add my songs on there or whatever, create my own playlist. Yeah. Yeah. I recommend the album from an artist real quick, from an era that most people may not pay attention to, uh, BJ Chicago Kid Pineapple Now Ladies. Oh, oh that, that's, a, that's an excellent classic. album. Like I said, it's classic. Go listen to it if you haven't listened to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. So uh, any, any lasting things about R&B music that you guys want to leave with because I know we, we got we can, we can talk forever we just talk about groups because we haven't talked about a lot of groups especially like in the 70s we didn't talk about like the stylistics dramatics uh I wasn't prepared I always wanted to talk and then yeah. I would have yeah. uh, we need I think I think we gotta do we gotta do decades next time and we'll just take yeah. our time because yeah. we could we were, we were bouncing back and forth yeah. I just want to reiterate what what I believe John Lee said is I wish we would go back to that neo soul era and kind of get some of those arts back on radio or get those because I think that's in my opinion that's that's what the country needs right now is kind of more of that the neo soul kind of kind of vibe going on to kind of calm chill things things down a little bit but that's just me yeah but I, it's, oh, 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 one reason I think like a lot of guys who can sing that don't sing is because it's like I don't think it's cool to sing anymore like yeah. it's cool to be a rapper it's not cool to be yeah. say you're a singer unless you like a like a Chris Brown, like he's singing and doing flips. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's why I think I don't think Miguel gets a lot of a lot of props too, because yeah. I mean, he's got he's got that that voice that you know, can get really high, and you know he's he's got some good tracks. But yeah, I think to your point, be smooth. Like I don't think a lot of people like to sing, you know, or sing from the heart, like yeah. you, like 
like we were like we've been talking about. Yeah. I think that's true R and B is when you sing from the heart. It's not just singing. It's you got to sing from a from, yeah. from a from your heart. Yeah, and I think that like people who can who do have that like they usually just like they start off in gospel and just stay in gospel. Yeah. Because like a lot of a lot of these singers like started off like singing in church choirs and stuff and like if you now if you sing in the church choir you just stay you stay singing yeah. gospel. You don't even venture out into like doing secular music anymore. guys for joining me. I think the next time I do this, I think I'm just going to invite you. I'm going to do one for the 80s and one for the 90s. And I'm if... Okay, I think uh, I, I think next hip-hop one, we're just going uh, to hash out uh, a top 10 list for okay. hip-hop. That's, I can do yeah, we can, I think we can we can get B Reed back and just you know give give him uh give give his uh twins some uh some uh emergency so they can go to sleep. do a podcast. Take this. This robot doesn't worry about it. It's all good. Alright, my listeners, you can catch me because on Podbean, but I think I'm switching back to SoundCloud because SoundCloud is cheaper. <laughs> but I'm, you can catch it on Spotify and uh, Apple Music Podcast. Once again, uh, I'm Be Smooth. Uh, drink your water and be good. Peace. <laughs>